ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Scott Stedman Podcast. Hope you are having a great week. Uh, today, we are going to be talking about an interesting topic. We're going to be talking about judgment, especially when it comes to people's salvation or people getting saved. Um, and we're going to be looking at probably the most recent um, high-profile case of someone who recently has given their life to Christ and was baptized and just the negative comments they've been getting from the Christian community. But before we dive right in, uh, I want to introduce my co-host, Micah Current. Micah, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. It's uh, how's your How's your doctoral project going? You texted so me. So I finally, day. yeah, so I finally got my um, edited paperback. So now I have okay. to go for my editor. So, I mean, did I tell you that I found an editor? No, you were looking, but yeah. you never told me. So I found an editor because Ashlyn had like um, the doctor program sent out a list of here's some different editors. So I contacted one and and they told me originally that editing, finding an editor, editing could be up to about $20,000. Wow. For editing a doctoral project. I'm thinking, oh my gosh. I told Laura that she's like, Scott, we can't pay for that. <laughs> like you're going to have to. Yeah, like, like that's like, so I'm like, okay, so, you know, I'm like, well, let me look around. I knew a guy who attended church at the church I'm working at now that he is uh, grandfather gave him as part of an inheritance after his grandfather passed, gave him his farmhouse in Kentucky. So he ended up moving back there, but he does a lot of editing for Zondervan. So I asked him and he said, oh, I don't know what to do, but I can look around. But then I contacted someone from Ashland and um, she's a pastor out in Indiana and she gave me her contract and I looked at it and it's going to cost me total uh, $1,900 over six bad. payments. So it's not bad at all. I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's like, that's like, that's like a 90% savings from what I was told. So, so, you know, so I had, so I sent my, so I sent payments sent it to edit it, my proposal, finally got it back. So I just need to look at it, adjust. She had some things for me to adjust or things like that. So I'm like, okay, um, and then from there, I just have to submit it to my advisor and then get it back from my advisor and then do the final polish on it and then submit it. Um, and then I'm done. So have a lot of work to do. So, <laughs> so I'm kind of at the, uh, the wait and see period. Yeah. So, and it's been fine. I mean, luckily I went and sent it. My, my advisor, my editor told me to send it to my advisor first for content and my advisor looks at it and goes, sorry, I can't read this. You need to get it edited first. <laughs> I'm like, okay, fair enough. But um, I'm, I'm not a very strong writer. Like, it's hard for me to have my professional, my personal voice when writing because I feel like I do both There's interchangeably. Wear different hats. Hard. Yeah. Um, but no. So I mean, it's been going pretty well. Well, uh, well, I uh, I pretty much spent all weekend like at home working on my two final projects for my my master's program, I have, you know, I'm taking two classes this semester and I have one in January and I'm done, but the two big or the two classes I'm in now have two big final projects. And so basically I just stared at my computer screen all week, uh, weekend. And, um, uh, one of the projects is developing a 21st century educational website. And so I have been building a website from scratch, um, pretty much all weekend. So I know that's exciting and, you know, riveting but you know it's hard to believe that we're like three weeks from thanksgiving we're getting close to christmas mm -hmm. uh, 
Like literally I'm two and a half months away from being done with a school program yeah. for this program, which is awesome. Like um, couldn't believe it when I, you know, when, well, I can't believe it when I sit, you know, sit back and kind of look over the last year and a half. And like I've plowed through a 30 hour master's program in a year and a half while working full time. So just grateful. And like you talk about $20,000 for an editor, like, you know, because I work and I've shared you know, numerous times because I work at Miami, I get free tuition. So mm-hmm. it's like, Hmm. Uh, I, Alicia and I wouldn't be able to afford this $30,000 program if, uh, it weren't oh, for yeah. the tuition waiver program that they offer for faculty and staff. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so, um, as we move from our schooling, uh, stories gone wild. Um, so I, I've been debating cause I want to kind of fit like a story's gone wild with what we're talking about. And, um, I think I might even told you last week after we went off air about me writing about trying to find a historical context for my uh, paper and looking within the church of God. And I found the uh, stuff about F.G. Smith being ousted as the general editor of the gospel trumpet. Oh yeah. my goodness. Like that. <laughs> so uh, that story is insane. Cause I'm trying to read through it. And I mean, I'm probably going to butcher and I'm sure if uh, Dr. Meryl Strege, who wrote the book about the, I saw the church about the church of God history. Um, he probably would correct me, but here's kind of the best way I can explain it in a very short amount of time. So F.G. Smith ends up getting hired as a editor at the gospel trumpet. F.G. Smith sends up writing a book called The Revelation Explained, which kind of helps shape kind of the um, eschatology of the Church of God. Then at some point, F.G. Smith and Enoch E. Byram get into a little spat or something, and Byram gets ousted as the general editor of the Gospel Trumpet. Now, F.G. Smith's now the general editor of the Gospel Trumpet. So, okay, you know, things are going along and, you know, there's been some things where F.G. Smith has written some stuff about men in the war during World War II, Christians serving World War II, and some stuff that kind of, you know, typically not as not as controversial as I think it would be during that time um, when it comes to the Church of God being, in a way, kind of starting in its roots in pacifism and then not so much kind of now equally both now just being very pacifist or people who see the value of honoring people who serve in war, especially Christians. But um, eventually the general assembly, or I think they called it something else, but we're just going to call it general assembly. uh, But they had a time where they're supposed to always debate certain things, especially around camp meeting. Well, Russell Byram's now teaching um, Enoch's, nephew is teaching theology at anderson college he ends up writing the book christian theology which i have a copy of in my uh, bookcase (laughs) but um fg smith decides hey it's a pretty good book but it's not that good so he goes to the general assembly and he makes a plea that Anything before a certain date needs to be considered a primary source, and then everything else after that's a secondary source when it comes to theology and teaching new uh, pastors at Anderson College. The date he proposed was, I think, the date he proposed, I believe, was like 19, I want to say it was like 1943, 
And Christian Theology by Russell Byram came out, was published in 1944. So, so you have the pettiness of that. So that made... In the John Church of God was petty. Oh, my gosh. So that made John Morrison, who's the president of Anderson College about that time, like very upset. So then there became this almost this inner dwelling or this coup that ends up happening. Because then it gets to the point, years later, it gets to the point where F.G. Smith's has to be ratified and voted back in to continue his term as general editor of the Gospel Trumpet. And John Morrison, uh, there's another person, and then I believe it's Robert Reardon, tried to convince not only the other people within the Gospel Trumpet, the other workers and editors in the Gospel Trumpet, but even the General Assembly to not renew F.G. Smith's contract. So they set a coup so that he would no longer be the general editor. And he gets ousted as editor. And then I think Brown ends up becoming the new editor. But Brown wasn't going to take it unless he got F.G. Smith's blessing because he didn't want this, like, pettiness. And luckily, F.G. Smith gave his blessing. Um, F.G. Smith is out. Brown's in. And then F.G. Smith ends up becoming the pastor of the McKinley Avenue Church of God in Akron, Ohio. Eventually, the church ends up folding intentionally folding and taking all their resources and all their people and end up doing five church plants, which Talmadge First Church of God, the church I grew up, was a part of. So it's just very weird to see that pettiness and how F.G. Smith becomes a very a prominent figure within the church that I grew up in. So I just thought that was funny. But yeah, I mean, talking about judgment and people not liking other people's theology and people not liking people's eschatology and how it just got. <laughs> can we talk it about how just... ironic, can we talk about how ironic all the people that you just listed have like buildings and uh, churches and everything named after them? Oh, yeah. Well, you know. I mean, they're still considered pioneers, but sometimes being a pioneer means that you also have some... Uh, Baggage has some stank has some baggage and has some stank on you too. So, so yeah, look at that. Micah, what's your story gone wild? <laughs> if you have one, you may not have one. I know you're like struggle every time we do this segment. No, I don't struggle every time I do this. I just the last couple of weeks we, you know, we've been our schedule's been kind of messed up and we've been kind of shooting shooting at the hip, so to speak. Um yeah. uh Let's see. Well, not really a story that's gone wild per se, but like um, the last four to six weeks of my life have been super interesting in respect to uh, my health. And um, about six weeks ago, I was in a colleague's office and thought I was going to pass out. And I went to the doctor and I had developed a really bad pain in my lower uh, shoulder doctor was convinced that I had anxiety and they put me on anxiety medicine and everything else. And so uh, my chiropractor referred me to this uh, neurologist slash chiropractor. And they think that I have a pinched nerve in my. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's crazy because you can see probably in the video and and over the last couple of weeks, I've been kind of fidgety. Um, And part of that is this pinched nerve. And so um, the ironic thing is that I, um, my wife bought me this really, and I'm showing you right now on the camera, but it's like, yeah. it's a, it's like a pressure point massager, but if I get it to the right spot on my shoulder, I don't move. Hmm. But the last four to six weeks, I've not wanted to be around people. 
I've not wanted to go into grocery stores. I've not wanted to to to, to do much because every time I go into um, a I get super fidgety and super anxious because my shoulder hurts so bad. And so um, it's the strangest thing is I've never had any sort of anxiety, social anxiety, generalized anxiety. And uh, the doctors were convinced that I had anxiety because I was having these meltdowns. And I'm like, well, it's not like a meltdown because I'm emotionally unstable. It's a meltdown because I'm in pain. So, um, man, uh, I've been in the wilderness over the last four to six weeks, like I, I thank God for my wife and my friends and my circle and you and Jordan and everything, but because like, it's been, it's been rough, man. Mm-hmm. Like not wanting to go, not wanting to, to do, uh, do much of anything. And so, um, you know, being at home has been like, and, uh, like Scott, your dream, right? Like I've been playing a lot of video games cause I'm just sitting at home, but, um, Thankfully, last week I started going uh, to the specialist. It's a neurologist, and he has been doing some uh, adjustments on my on my shoulder, and they've been doing some physical therapy, and it's starting to to help. And last week I had some of the best couple of days in the the last four to six week period that I've had um, in a long time. So, but uh, would not recommend anxiety. Would not recommend uh, a pinch nerving your shoulder blade. Mm. And uh, thankful for modern medicine. So, yeah, I don't know if that's the story's gone wild, but uh, it's it's been tough, right? Like, um, yeah, it's well, yeah. And I think I think you bring up a good point. I think it is wild because I'm. I mean, you have to think about, and this is something that I've learned when I did counseling was, um, you know, we are bio biopsychosocial spiritual creatures. So right. when we think about you know, something like a pinched nerve that doesn't go away, that causes you a lot of pain, affects your mental capacity, affects your social capacity, affects your spiritual capacity. Same thing well, if you're, I mean, it, it's all connected. Well, and when you look up like anxiety symptoms, like disassociation, um, you know, thoughts, uh, I, you know, you know, the, the different symptoms of anxiety, like I don't have any of those, right? Like, but um, I get in so much pain in my shoulder that I feel like I'm hyperventilating and then I feel like I'm going to pass out, but that's not anxiety. That's just, I'm in pain and I'm trying to to work through that. And so like, mm-hmm. uh, crazy enough, do you remember like in the eighties and the nineties when you would watch sitcoms or movies and like these people would be breathing into a paper bag because they, uh, were, you know, anxious or, you know, felt like they couldn't breathe or whatever. I went to the specialist last week and he gave me, excuse me, he gave me a paper bag. And it works. Hmm. <laughs> a brown paper bag, Scott, in 2023, and I'm breathing into it. Yeah. So. Oh wow. Story's yeah. gone wild. I mean, it's a health <laughs> story. Wow. But <laughs> like the stuff you see, and that's the stuff you usually see, like in cartoons, with the bag and the breathing. Like yep. that's stuff I remember watching, like Looney Tunes. And apparently, hey, sometimes those things work. It helps calm people down and get them back into that river of well-being. Um, so today we're talking about the idea of Christians. Christian judgment. I mean, well, Christian judgment, but we've talked a little bit about this topic before, but this one specifically has to do with uh, validating people's salvation and making those judgments on people's salvation. And the most recent one that came out this year, well, actually just last month in October, 
um, was Kat Von D. Kat Von D is um, a tattoo artist, has been... Um, she had a TV show. She had a TV like, show. You'll see in the early 2000s. She does music. She, I believe she was the one, like, I don't know if you remember, this was years ago, uh, but it was like, uh, it was right when um, West Coast uh, Choppers had that TV show and you had Jesse James Orange and County he Choppers? was married. Yeah, Orange County, yeah, Orange County Choppers. Um, and he was married to Sandra Bullock. And then you find out that her husband, Jesse James, had an affair with Kat Von D. Um, and there's all that. And they were all dressed up in like Nazi memorabilia. So, you know, Kat Von D's kind of been in the kind of been in and out of the public eye for a while. And um in October, she ended up getting baptized. She got baptized at the Switzerland Baptist Church in Vevey, Indiana, which I believe is kind of I think she's originally from Indiana. Uh, but she was with family and friends got baptized, post this like video on her Instagram page. And this is about one year after she renounced witchcraft. Uh, she's like, I'm no longer going to be doing witchcraft anymore. I'm no longer going to practice it. And then a year later, she not only gives her life to Christ, but she gets baptized. And, um, and she talks about how, for the most part, family and friends was uh, were experiencing a lot of beautiful positivity overwhelming positivity from not only fans of hers uh but even from indiana locals and she even talked about how like she knew that she was worried she was, her fans were going to be hated because her fans are not necessarily christian at all but you know that's what she felt that she needed to do and she kind of felt you know drawn to the lord to get baptized so you know and she thought she'd get a lot of hate from her fans and she got some but but she did say that the oh, but she was very um, shocked that a lot of her awful responses were coming from Christians who are accusing her of faking her baptism for publicity and also shaming her husband, even though it is unclear over what they were shaming her husband about. So again, and this isn't the first high profile celebrity or even if you don't see Kat Von D as a high profile celebrity. I mean, we've had the same thing when Justin Bieber became a Christian. Um, same thing. I'm like, glad. I think, you know, there's been a couple of times where we've seen people who have said they gave their life to Christ and a celebrity or some sort. And then it's almost like people come out of the woodwork and like, Oh, it's not real. They're just doing it for publicity. They're just doing it for this or that. So, so, Michael, why do you think that those of us who are Christians make judgment over other people who either accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior and or get baptized? Well, I think my first answer or my first thought is that, you know, it's, um, you know, it's it's hard for people to understand, right? Like, I think we're critical of people that don't share the same beliefs as we do, but then when they want to believe what we believe, we're yeah. critical of them more so. I think that's my original thought. Is it, was that, is that fair? Or do you think that's fair? I'd, I'd say so. Um, I'd say so. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, it's like, it's like they don't, you know, for, you know, I've grown up in the church, you've grown up in the church, you know, grown up, grown up in the church, but like, you know, you've been in the church a lot 
you know, most of your life. And so have I, and so, you know, people are often judgmental of things that they don't understand. And a perfect example of that is somebody who renounces Christianity and has something, you know, different, uh, has some other faith or some other agnostic thought. And then, wow, they come to the Lord and like, why would we be so judgmental of them? But that's the first thing we end up doing is judging them because of their, um, I don't know, denial, so to speak of, of Christianity. And then all of a sudden they want to be a Christian and we're like, well, what's up with that? Why do you want to be a Christian now? And it's like, well, we should be celebrating and welcoming, welcoming, and welcome. Wow. I couldn't say welcoming, welcoming <laughs> them to the family uh, of, of God. And it's, uh, it's kind of like the opposite. And I'm not saying that's okay, but, and in fact, I'm saying it's wrong because it's like, who are we to judge? Right. And, and yeah, uh, the Bible even says, you know, judge lest not ye be judged, right? Like, it's just one of those things where, um, you know, we don't know what we don't understand, right? Like, it's yeah. it's it's one of those things that I just, it blows my mind where, you know, we should be celebrating that, but yet we're the first ones to judge, right? And I think, you know, recently... um as a part of my health journey uh, in the last four to six weeks, every morning when I get to work, I, I walk, I walk about a mile around campus before I start my day. And um, I've been listening to the Bible on my, on my phone, throw my AirPods in, listen to the Bible. And I've been going through the gospel of Matthew recently. And so like, you know, listening to the gospel story, all of Jesus's parables are super simple. Right. And so like, it talks a lot about Jesus or Jesus talks a lot about how, um, you know, people, judge before they even even start or even know and it's like why 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 would you even judge somebody based on xyz if you don't even know who they are and so you know jesus you know has a has a profound way of saying something in the most simplest of terms and go you know this person is different different than you but you should still love them and respect them and so um that's my first thought is that if somebody who is, is Buddhist or, or Islamic or Muslim or has a background in witchcraft or whatever it is, a different faith other than Christianity, and then all of a sudden they have a, you know, a trans a transformation in their life where they want to be a Christian, then like, wh- why not celebrate that? Right. Like, and even and continue the conversation into baptism, like, you know, the, the art of baptism or the sacrament of baptism is washing with the dead and, 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 and washing into a new life, right? Like bringing somebody into the new life of, of, of Christianity. And, and, you know, it, it, that should be a time for celebration, not criticism. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd say so. And, and it even just like kind of looking at this article and this is just an interview with her, just kind of the reaction she got from when she posted her baptism video. Uh, this is what um, Kat Von D says. I'm just going to read this. It says, you would think that most Christians would be happy for you when you come to this point in your life, especially when you get baptized, she said. Baptism is such a beautiful and is such a big landmark in time. For me, at least, it was one of the most important days of my life. She also rejected claims of her baptism being a stunt for social media views, saying that her Instagram is not monetized, so she's not getting paid for the number of times people watch her videos. Others, she said, took issue with the way she and her friends dressed in black gowns and suits with sparkling accessories. 
I really think it's insane that we live in a time where people still judge a book by its cover. She said, I feel like I wasn't aware that there's a uniform that you're supposed to wear once you give your hearts to Jesus. While she noticed there's a stereotypical aesthetic among the Christian community that she doesn't fit into, she says she doesn't understand why those who would judge her style. Um, because, I mean, I watched a video, like some of her friends that are there, you know, they're wearing their goth clothing, but they're there to support her. But then when you look at Kat Von D. Yeah, what does somebody's clothing or tattoos have anything to do with their Christianity? Exactly. Faith? It has nothing to do with anything. Like you like um, metal music. I like metal music. Like what? Yeah. I'm and I went through a phase in high school where I wore gothic stuff and clothes and spikes and chains and all this stuff. And like people thought I was nuts, but I was a I was Christian. Like, I painted my nails and I dyed my hair. Yeah. But, but what does that have to do with your heart and your soul and your faith? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then here's the last thing. Finally, Von D says some critics shamed her musician husband, Rafael Reyes, though she didn't explain what they criticized him for. I don't feel like that's one is quite annoying because you don't know the dynamics of our marriage and you don't know what somebody's going through. My husband has his own journey and I am here to support him and be there for him as much as I can and be the best wife that I can be for him. Uh, but until he makes his own decisions, should I just abandon ship? Should I just divorce my husband and uproot the beautiful nuclear family that we have because he doesn't sing lyrics the way that you think he should sing lyrics? Um, at the end of her video, Bondi calls out people who nitpick various aspects of her baptism, including those who criticize her pastor for not fully dunking Bondi into the water so that her hands were submerged. Uh, I didn't get... And, and so that, yeah, like... <laughs> So well, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to say something real quick. Yeah, go so right like, ahead. <laughs> like, the, the, well, we can we can do two things, right? We'll talk about the baptism thing in a minute, but like, let's talk about marriage and let's talk about faith and marriage, right? Like, ideally, if you're a Christian and a Christ follower, you would want your spouse to be a Christian, right? At the same time, it doesn't always guarantee that you're going to be on the same page in regards to your faith, right? Like it, it, like. And what I mean by that is that, like, you know, two people could get married, right? And they have no experience in the church. They have no experience in religion or Christianity or faith of any sort. And they get married. And then maybe 10 years down the road, maybe the husband comes to faith, right? It comes to comes to Christ, becomes a Christian Christ follower, and the wife is not there yet. Well, maybe the wife starts going to church and then eventually she gets her life to the Lord. Like, I, I think it's amazing. There's this like preconceived notion that it's like, well, it's a package deal because they're married. Right. Like it doesn't it doesn't guarantee that, like, you know. Both are going to be Christians at the same time, like look at you and Laura, like you're both Christ followers, but you came to faith at different times in your life. Right. Alicia yeah. and I came to faith at different times in our life. My mom and dad, my grandparents, your parents, like it. Everybody comes to faith at different points in their life. So I think it's kind of interesting that they're being super critical of somebody just because she's a celebrity. And, you know, maybe her husband comes to faith. Maybe he doesn't like, but maybe she can also be a witness is like Paul talks about all the time in scripture. Yeah. And, and, and see, that's that's the thing that just blows my mind about, especially when we, you bring up the point of scripture. Because, yeah, like I know the Bible says you shouldn't be unequally yoked. And I think that's the passage that a lot of these critics are throwing shade at cat's way because it's like well hey now that you're a christian and your husband's apparently not because he sings songs that don't reflect the image of christ or whatever stuff that they're saying um it's very 
it's very sad and very misguided when Christians are picking and choosing what scriptures they can use to use and not even use it as a way to encourage this person in their faith, to help them. They're using scripture to shame and to punish. And for me, when I think about Jesus using scripture when he had the encounter with the Pharisees, very rarely did he use scripture to shame. He would bring up scripture and go, okay, what does the, what does, what does this, what does it say? How do you read it? Like a lot of times Jesus goes, what does it say here? Or how do you read this passage or this scripture or what happened when David was, and he's asking questions to get these teachers of the law to think. Yeah. And I think a lot of times, and I think a lot of times too, there's a lot of people who claim they are Christians, but they're biblically illiterate. They they say they're Christians, but they really have no clue what the Bible says or what the Bible teaches. And especially they have no clue on how to use the Bible in a way to lift people up, to get people to know Christ. And I think that's the problem. We use the Bible as a way to say, hey, you're a Christian, but you're not living like the way the Bible, the way I read the Bible. So you need to change. And it's like, wait a minute. Why are we being so, and again, you know, you have to remember that sometimes when someone comes to Christ, and I'll even share my own, my own time of coming to Christ. When I came to Christ, I wasn't like the super Christian-y kid in the world. I came to Christ and I was still using foul language. I was still telling crude jokes. I'd still get in trouble. Um, but I was thankful that I had a church and I had youth leaders um, and other leaders in the church that had to steer me and say, hey, you, you do know that, you know, this is the way, you know, hey, this isn't appropriate or this isn't the way we behave or, or hey, you know, or even specifically saying, hey, what's going on? Because you're not acting a certain way. And it, I never felt like it was a judgment towards me. I always felt like they were trying to gently help me because they always showed love. Um, and I knew that through their conversations and through their, um, and through their, um, you know, how they would approach certain things with me if I was off, off track. But I think that my biggest issue is, and it goes back to who are we to judge someone else's faith, faith, journey literally how do how, how are we to respond to someone's faith journey whether they be, they come to christ or they're still on that faith journey where they're about to hit that crossroads where they're going to meet jesus and then they have to make a decision whether they're going to follow him or they're going to choose not to follow him and i think the whole thing with what cat's saying and especially the display she's getting from christians um and i mean at least her attitude's positive she's like hey we need to like love everyone. And I mean, everyone, like she posted a fault video saying, Hey, I love you guys. Even those I got, even those who are criticizing my baptism or you're criticizing my faith in Jesus. I still love you guys and everything else. So she's kind of taking it in stride, but there's a part of me. If you know someone who has a history of not being a follower of Christ, not living a Christian lifestyle, and even within the Christian community and their perception, someone who's living a very, like, I guess, I don't know, demonic or evil lifestyle from a Christian perspective, 
And then they come to Christ. My initial thought would be, hey, at least you would be celebrating. Oh my gosh, this is a person who used to practice witchcraft and now they're a follower of Jesus. Praise God. Let's celebrate this. Let's shower this person with praises on their Instagram pages, on their TikTok, on their YouTube, everything else. Let's just give much love. And 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 we do, and I think there's a lot who were giving a lot of love, but the sub those who weren't given a lot of love, like that is discouraging. Yeah. That frustrates me a lot. Well, I think too like not to get down this like a huge uh, theological rabbit hole, yeah. but like, yeah. you know, the gospel is simple, right? Yeah. Jesus came to this earth. He was born of a virgin. He did ministry on earth. He died for our sins as the new sacrifice in the new Testament so that we could have eternal life with him. Right. And how, and he was resurrected on the third day. You know, you know, this like the whole gospel story, right? We get, um, we get that privilege and that, you know, that love from Jesus because he died for our sins. And so like, um, I think we get caught up in theological uh, conversations a lot of times. Like I had uh, lunch with a friend of mine. He's a pastor at a Baptist church here in town a couple of months ago. We, we got, we got, we got um, on the topic of the salvation conversation of like the once saved, always saved eternal salvation conversation. And, you know, he asked about the church of God and what they believe. And I said, well, we, we believe in salvation, but we don't believe in, you know, eternal security. We believe that people can fall away. We believe that people can like renounce their faith, et cetera, et cetera. So like um, all that to say, Scott, like, I think that, you know, it's, it's amazing that we, uh, you know, we as Christians and Christ followers are the first ones to point the finger when something crazy happens or something different or something off the cuff happens. And it's like, well, you know, church, and Christianity wasn't supposed to be something that is, in my opinion, like as rote as it's become, meaning like, you know, we go to church every, every Sunday, we do the exact same thing every Sunday. Like, yes, we're supposed to gather. Yes. We're supposed to be in community. Yes. We're supposed to worship the Lord. Yes. We're supposed to hear from his word um, and bring others to him. But what I mean by that is that like, we have just become so inundated in what we do that we forget the purpose of the gospel. And it's, it's, you know, it's hurtful when you think about it because it's like, well, why are we being so judgmental as Christians? If the goal as Christians is to bring others to Christ to do the same thing and be Christians. And yet Mm -hmm. when the homeless person walks in the church who, you know, is hopped up on drugs and alcohol and they smell funny because they haven't bathed in two weeks because they don't have a house uh, or, you know, Kat Von D, a celebrity tattoo artist who was a Satanist, walks in the church or I'm sorry, you know, somebody who practices witchcraft yeah. in the church and says, hey, I want to be uh, one of you. We we turn our faces like how dare us. Right. Yeah. And I'm guilty of that. Right. Like, you know, yeah. as pastors and leaders, I'm guilty of that because like we always just want to go in our lane and we just want to do the thing that we do on Sunday. We want to worship God. We want to have our church service. And it's like, I think, I think Trey Oldham, who was a guest on our show a year ago or so, he's been on a couple of times, but he talked about one of his church, you know, uh, one of the churches he pastored where it's like, no, we're going to take a Sunday every year and we're going to go into the community. We're going to serve the community. And it's like, well, 
maybe that's the right thing to do. I think we've become too comfortable and complacent as Christians. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's, I know I went down a huge rabbit hole, but I think no. that like we become think, comfortable. Yeah. I think, I think, I think we become comfortable. Plus I think, you know, I feel like a lot of times our culture, our Christian culture is not shaped by the word of God. It's shaped by, the congregations we attend. Yep. And I think if you come from a congregation where people gossip all the time and are overwhelmingly negative, then very easily, even though you may have the best pastor preaching, you may have the best worship, praise team, worshiping, you may have all that stuff. And yet... When you leave there, when you see something, you're constantly going to be judging. And I think that's always the biggest problem is because then how do you stop it? And that's always the other aspect of that question is how do you stop it? Uh, I can remember years ago, there there was someone from the church that I attended that would post stuff on Facebook that was very highly negative, very politically charged, very this, very that. And I can remember sitting in a staff meeting and it got brought up and literally we sat there for probably about 30 minutes debating what we were going to do about it. And I think the consensus was, is it was one of the things like, well, knowing the person, there's really nothing we can do about it. Even if we tell them, Hey, you can't be posting that stuff. Or even if you say, Hey, you do realize that when you post stuff like that, you're kind of giving a, a bad image of Christianity, especially when you're arguing with people and fighting with people not only about Christianity, but especially when you put like these political things out there and then you start saying you're a Christian and you're like ripping people a gun and calling someone stupid and a dummy or, or a evil or an evil Democrat, like, or whatever the case may be, like that's hurting your Christian witness. You do realize that. Right. And I think, but I felt like that whole conversation was kind of disheartening because it's like, well, knowing the person, even if we said something, nothing's going to change. They're not going to change how they interact on social media. They're not going to change how they talk and deal with people. And I'm thinking, well, if it's not going to change, then we're just already, now we're just planting that seed within the culture of the church to grow something, to grow yeah. a, a critical spirit, to grow a politically charged culture within the church instead of a Holy Spirit charged culture or a biblically charged culture. And I think when you have those seeds there, and I'm not for ripping people or kicking people out of the church because they don't fit a certain culture, but I feel like just sitting around saying, well, they're not going to change. And that's the attitude. You're, you're making a choice. You're making a choice to allow the culture or you say something and, you know, either they don't change or they decide they're going to leave the church, or they decide they are going to change. You have one of three options. And I think just saying something, at least you kind of say, hey, this is the culture. We want to have the, a very uplifting, a very positive, a very welcoming culture. So when you put stuff like that on your Facebook page, and when you're fighting with other people, even though they don't go to this church, even though they live in a different state, it still affects our Christian witness. So next time when you post something, try to be mindful of that. 
Yeah. And if it and if it becomes an issue, then we'll have a talk with them again. It will just continue to talk because you know, just because you're young or old or you're new to the faith or you've been a Christian for 30 plus years, you still have to be transformed by the Holy Spirit. And sometimes even even though I've been a Christian for a long time, if I do something that's not Christ-like, I need to be rebuked of it. And I need to be rebuked. And I and and if and if and for most part, the times I have been rebuked, I feel like that I've received that with positivity and I've said, okay, and I've made those changes. Because at the end of the day, I want to try to be a better Christian. If I'm doing something that's hurting my Christian witness to somebody and I'm not showcasing the love and hope and salvation of Christ through my presence, then I have to fix something. Or I have to submit myself to the will of Jesus and allow his Holy Spirit to fix me. And that's really all I can do. But I think just being humbled in that point where I could say, okay, I'm not perfect. I need to get my stuff together sometimes too. I have to do that. Well, and too, like, I think it's it's interesting, you know, even back to the cat on D conversation, like, this isn't the first time this has ever happened, right? Like, a celebrity become, you know, a Christian or renounced you know some other form of religion um and the same for you know uh you talked a little bit about politics in the church but like republican democrat independent whoever it may be that stuff's been going on for years and just recently and i'm sure like you know in our lifetime it's been this is probably the worst it's been but it's it's been going on for years so um yeah uh Quickly, the baptism conversation, you said that somebody was critical of her because they didn't think that she was completely submerged. Yeah, it's like they he like went and got her down. But I think like her hands were here and they went down and at least the back of her head got wet. But I don't think she was fully submerged. So her hands weren't wet and her or or even if she was, I, I, I didn't watch. I mean, they showed the video, but they didn't really show the full dunking of it because the video kind of. It loops because it was a, a reel. So I don't know if they're complaining of that. Like maybe she was fully submerged, but I don't know. I almost would have to go back and watch that video again. But someone someone criticized that. I'm thinking it's a baptism. People sprinkle. People people do. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Like you know, you're working at a UMC church now. Like they don't uh, submerge children, but they do the the sprinkling, right? They do. They they take spring. They take water from like almost like that. Catholic like churches. And and I remember having a conversation with Randy Spence, who was the director of Ohio Ministries, um, before Esther Cottrell, who was our current general director. And we were talking about baptism, and we were just having a conversation. And and he even told a story how one time he was in a hospital, and a lady was like literally on her deathbed. And he was praying with her. He led her to Christ. She wanted to be baptized. Now, you have a lady who cannot move. Where is Randy Spence going to get a tub to dunk this woman? So all he did is literally he just took some water and he just kind of did what like, you know, the Methodists do. They have a like a bowl of water and they stick their hand and they just they just kind of sprinkle water on them or they take their hand and they're just wet their head three times. And they do this like, you know, name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And that's how they he had to baptize her because he couldn't dunk this woman. 
yeah. because she literally was dying. She didn't have the strength to do whatever. So with that being said, um, I think baptism. What you do. I mean, you have to do what you do. If someone wants to be baptized and you don't have the tools or the equipment or the person physically cannot do the baptism. I mean, people wheelchairs, what are you going to do? Right. You can't really baptize them. Get a bucket. Especially if you have an old church where you have stairs walking down, like what are you going to do? Like boom, 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 like carry them up. I'm thinking like a bucket maybe, right? Like you can dip your hands in there or, you know, you're not going to just douse the person with a bucket of water or something, you know? I mean, maybe some might, some might, some might, they may have their robes on and you go here, we're going to dunk a bucket of water and we have a tarp over to get everything. But still like, but the people complain, ah, the carpet's all wet, like. Whatever, like it's stuff like that which drives me nuts. It's like baptism is baptism, and if you, who cares if she wasn't fully submerged or her hands didn't get wet? Like who cares? Like literally, she got baptized. I think people, especially in the celebrity eye or purview, are going to be judged a little bit more harshly because they think it's a publicity stunt, and they're going to be nitpicky to be nitpicky. And I feel like, but see, I feel like that is a bad ethic to go it's almost like i don't know who's a celebrity that was hot whose name was everywhere and now that we don't really hear much from them anymore like i don't know like like let's just say like a Lindsay lohan or a paris hilton or somebody like that like like it would be like if paris hilton like got baptized and became a christian like i mean there'd be people who'd be critical of that it's like oh they're just the publicity spot to kind of get back into the limelight literally christianity is probably not the best way to get in the limelight i mean all the other celebrities who have gave their life to christ yeah a little 15 minutes hey justin bieber gave his life to christ hey this celebrity gave their life to christ you know what happened it went away just as quickly as the article posted up you didn't hear anything else about them after that so christianity to kind of get your name back in the limelight is not the way to go you probably get you probably get more minutes of fame by like getting arrested or doing drugs than giving your life to Christ. If I'm being well, completely honest, how ironic is it too that like if some celebrity gives their life to Jesus, they make a big deal about it, and then if like they live their life, let's just say they live the rest of their life um, as a Christian, you don't hear anything else about them. The yeah. first time you hear anything about them, to back up your point, is when they screw up, when they renounce their faith. When they, you know, get a DUI, when they stumble, when they fall, whatever. Um, that's the first time you end up hearing about them is because uh, the media and the public, you know, the public want to point your flaws out. Um, it's no different than the Pharisees, right? Like you were talking about, um, you know, to bring it back to Bible, the Bible conversation. So um, yeah. it's it's kind of interesting. Like if it sticks and she's truly been transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit, great. She's a sister in Christ. Let's celebrate that, right? Like you're, and then if 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 nothing happens beyond this, it means that hey, she's she's living her life according to the gospel, and great, good on her. Absolutely, absolutely. And so, friends, as you're listening to this, if you're a pastor, if you're a Christian, uh, just a regular person who claims to be one with Christ, let us. Let us try not to be so judgy. I mean, and I know it's hard because sometimes we can get into it um, and we can be judgy. But I would say, you know, if you feel like you have a critical spirit, I really would say 
you know, pray to God about it. Go to Jesus, say, Jesus, I have this critical spirit and I don't know why. Please, please help me navigate through this. And and maybe Jesus will show you, like, you know, maybe growing up in the church, maybe you've been in, in a lot of critical cultures within the church. Maybe the church you're serving at now is, has a very critical spirit about certain individuals or certain people. So, or maybe it's something within your own life that you need to repent of. And I think, you know, and I don't know if, again, this is the Scott Simmons podcast. We're not a nationally syndicated podcast, but if Kat Von D, if you happen to even stumble across this, you know, congratulations on your commitment to Jesus Christ and your love for him. We're, and if you want to, and if you want to be on the show, let's go. <laughs> I wasn't going to pitch that, Micah. But I mean, no, it would be really cool. It would be cool. Oh, I would. I think it would be cool. It'd be really cool to talk to Kat Von D and just kind of learn about her life from the beginning to this moment in history. Um, and so, Kat Von D, on behalf of the Scott Simon Podcast, we celebrate you with your faith in Jesus Christ, and we and we pray for you, and we just wish all the best things that Jesus will do for you and for your life and even for the ministry that he will call you to be a part of when he reveals that to you. So friends, this is up for the Scott Simon podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your day and we'll be back on next week with another episode. Take care.